1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is your homegrown sports book where local takes on an entirely different meaning, focusing on the teams, games and players that matter to you. Sports interaction is on the ground on top of local trends and offering prop bets that you'd never even imagine existed. And now they're introducing the locker room, the first of its kind in Canada, a live watch party for the biggest games of the week. Sports interaction, your homegrown sports book. Go to sportsinteraction.com STPN to open an account and bet local. 19 plus, please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please go to Connex Ontario. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Factor. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef prepared dietitian dietician-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. If you're too busy with holiday plans to cook, but you want to make sure you're eating well, Factor will help you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat up and enjoy. That seems pretty convenient to me. And when you're too busy running around to plan lunch, Factor has you covered with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls, salad toppers. They're ready to eat when you're on the go and you don't need a microwave. No microwave required. That's pretty great. This November, get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. All you have to do if you want a discount Head to factormeals.com slash Johnston50 and use code Johnston50 to get 50% off. That is a deal, ladies and gentlemen. That's code Johnston50 at factormeals.com slash Johnston50 to get 50% off. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The
0: Chris Johnston Show.
1: We are your friends.
0: The biggest stories bringing you inside the
1: game. What did you- Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julia McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, packed Monday for us. It's Ask CJ Day. We're going to get through some other stories. Jack Hughes and the injuries got going on. Uh, a latest development when it comes to the Chicago Blackhawks. But uh, before we get to any of that, we got to look at these Canadian teams. For a lot of them in this country... It is not going well. And that is uh, me putting it politely, to say the least. I wanted to do something fun with this. We can go through all these Canadian teams and use what I call the concernometer. I just need you to give me a number from one to five. One being, you know, everything's all calm and nice. Five to, and five would just be like, okay, hit the panic button. Rate the level of concern for each of these Canadian teams. We could discuss them as we get to them. So maybe we go from well, I mean, east come on, to west, we can, west to east. We don't
0: have to. There's only one team that gets a one. Vancouver is the only place, if you're in Canada, you're feeling pretty damn good and rightfully so with your team.
1: Montreal? Well, they're I, after a pretty good start. They're competing. They're They're a lot better than they were last year.
0: Yeah, and they have the lowest expectations of everybody too, right? So that that helps. I think that that what we're what we're gonna view this through the context, the kaleidoscope as we go through this is gonna be the fact that in at least two of the markets, Edmonton and Toronto, we were talking Stanley Cup hopes when the year started. Um, so the expectations are dialed up there. Yeah, you're right. Montreal, like I don't know if I give them a one, maybe a two. I don't, maybe you're worried they're winning too many games if you're Montreal. I don't. I don't know where we're all at with the the tank uh, and and the Canadians fan base. But um, Vancouver is the only place that's really that it's the happiest place on earth right now in Canada.
1: I got to say Hey by the way, for those who want to know more about where the Canadians might actually be at, I recommend uh, the latest episode of the uh, Basu and Gadan notebook, uh, which is available uh, on the STPN network. They have a little bit more insight on how the Canadian start has been and how that might play out in terms of their rebuilding efforts. But uh, yeah, I feel like the concerto meter, the numbers are going to be a lot higher for some of the other teams uh, that we didn't mention off the hop, but we should at least, you know, mention the fact Montreal, you know what, they're off to a good start. Vancouver, you have to give them props as well. The fact that Rick talk has put them in that position is really great, but Edmonton, Toronto, Ottawa. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're definitely going to be talking about those teams in this segment.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's been chaos in Canada. Let's call it. I mean, not, not the most even keel fan bases that in a good year or in a good moment, but I think that there's been reason for concern through three weeks of the season. in a lot of those places.
1: Okay. Let's start with a team that is very much on fire, not for the right reasons, but just because of all the, the stuff we've seen over the last little week right now, let's start with the Ottawa senators. Uh, we'll get to the Leafs like right after, but the Ottawa senators, we've listed off all of the things that have gone wrong for them up until this point, the Shane Pinto suspension, the loss of the first round pick, Pierre Dorian losing his job. And then you go through the weekend where they lose to Tampa Bay and Brady Kachuk goes off like Brady Kachuk. I mean, look, I love it when, when athletes go off and I have my thoughts on, on Brady Kachuk and and what he said, but just to, to refresh everyone's memory, Uh, The fans were very upset during the game. They're calling for DJ Smith to get fired. And then Brady Kachuk to the media. I'll read off some of the quote here. It's frustrating. And whenever you don't win, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You're going to hear that word a lot. The negativity from the outside, the constant booing and the bullshit. I said bullshit. We're allowed to say it on the show, I guess. Kind of from the crowd tonight. I understand that they're a passionate fan base and I understand that they love it. But When you face adversity, you don't turn your back on the guys out there. We're playing hard. I know it's frustrating right now. It's not like we're giving up out there. We're fighting to the very end. To be honest, that was very frustrating tonight. Give me a number through one through five. Concern for the Ottawa Senators. I'll
0: go with a three for Ottawa. So not... That's low. No. If you look at it, they're not that far behind. Like, they're at the bottom of the conference. But the East is far more packed together than the West. You don't have a lot of separation there from from teams looking to make the playoffs. I, I know that it has not gone well and, and obviously some frustration boiling over. As a rule, by the way, I would say to any athlete, there's no upside ever to going after the fans. Even if you're in the right, you can never win that publicly. But if there's someone who could get away with it, I think Brady Kachuk is that. We we know what an emotional guy is. Great leader for that team. I think the fans won't take that too personally. Um, you know, I think it was maybe a, a, a line in the sand kind of moment for that team. And so... I don't, I don't hate the approach there. And, and obviously I don't even know that it was targeted. I think he was just, you know, expressing frustration after the loss on Saturday. Um, but, you know, for me, Ottawa is not as ba- as bad as it looks on the surface. I think that, you know, having new ownership, having Steve Staley there, I think they're actually going to install some stability as the season goes along. I know it's been a, a crazy week, week and a half. Anyone who's listened to our show uh, will, will know that we've, the senators have been one of the starring characters. Um, but I, I, do think that they still are in a reasonable position to make a, a push to get in the playoffs and all that. And I, I like I like the Brady Kachuk response, honestly, just because I think he's someone that will back it up with his play. And you know, sometimes you have to sometimes you have to go through some things, I think, to find yourselves. And so I, I'm expecting Ottawa. I'm not I'm not putting a four or five in terms of absolute panic on them because I do think there's time for them to, to really make this a great season. And I don't think all that much really has to change. They're not that far off from from being where they want to be.
1: What do you think of the idea that Brady Kachuk, in doing in saying what he said, ultimately serves to take pressure off of DJ Smith, who basically was the was in the eye of that storm from fans on that um, during that game against the Tampa Bay Lightning?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely a second effect of it sort of like a down the line effect that again, it's, it's hard for me to believe in that moment. He was thinking of that. Um, you know, but really, if you, if you look at what he made in, in the, the totality of his comments, what he was saying essentially is we're trying hard and you don't turn your back when things are tough. Like it's tough right now. It's frustrating as he used that word a lot, but that we're going to push through this. And I, I just like the leadership element of it. I realized that one specific quote you read out, you know, could be interpreted is always going to war with the fans and, and, you know, maybe if he, if he could have a do over, I'm guessing he wouldn't have included that part of it, but you know, I did watch the, the, the whole clip on that was online and, and, you know, really he was just consistent that we're going to get through this together. And I, you know, I, I think that, you know, only time will tell if that's in fact true, but it's probably nice for them. They have a break in their schedule. They don't play till Wednesday in Toronto after that game Saturday. So, you know, there is some time for things to cool off, you know, have a couple of hard practices and, and, You know, as I say, if I was ever doing PR for athletes, I would say just never go after the fans publicly. There's no upside, but I I do think he's one guy that can get get away with it.
1: What about DJ Smith's job security? Where is that at? Oh, I think
0: it's fine. I mean, they're they're looking for less change in Ottawa, not more after everything that's gone on. So that's that's not to say that it's rock solid for sure, but I really don't believe the organization even wants to go there at this point in time. I suppose they that there's things that could happen that might force them to that kind of move. But I think that they're trying to, to draw everyone together under Michael and Lauer, Steve Stelz, uh, their front office. And so I, I would be surprised to see that move made. I, th- I think, you know, I guess with any coach, there comes a point in time where almost management feels like it has no choice, but that's, that's not something I think that, that is really too front and center in the minds of the people making that decision.
1: i got to say you explaining uh, DJ Smith's situation right now with the Ottawa Senators, that to me hammers home why you're giving them a three on the Concerno meter. Because I have to admit, I was very surprised. I thought you were giving them a four or a five.
0: Well, I mean, I, I might have a four or five in my back pocket here. I just, I didn't, I didn't, Ooh. I didn't throw that card on the table the first deal here.
1: Okay. How about we go to the uh, other team in Ontario that's going through a bit of a tough time, the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, Steve Dangle is still very upset over the uh, Timothy Lilligren, Brad Marchand kind of collision, which then led to all, an entire discussion about whether or not these new players should have done enough to stand up for their players. And if this team is soft, by the way, that LFR from Steve Dangle, really well done. Uh, and I'm not being facetious or trying to make a joke for the Leafs fans who think I'm going to do that. No, I think Steve genuinely did a very good job with that LFR. You're, you're in the market. You know what's going on. How do you rate the level of concern for the Maple Leafs?
0: Well, I mean, look, it's not just Steve. I mean, the Leafs themselves had a meeting to discuss the lack of reaction to the Marchand-Lilligren thing. And so, and I say this with respect to Steve, but this isn't just a sort of a storyline driven through the fan base or the media. This is something internally that they've you know, felt the need to address. So this is, it has not gone well in Toronto. I'm still going to give them a three though. And... There's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, look, you've got Austin Matthews with 11 goals in 11 games as we're recording this. Uh, William Nylander is a point in all 11 games. Tavares, Marner, both off to pretty strong starts. I mean, we, we know that, that that core of forwards when they're at their best is enough to drag this team on their own to like 110 point season. I mean, they, they've they've cleared that hurdle the last couple of years when, when they've had those guys. And so, you know, I'm not here to say that everything's going great because that would be ignoring a lot of the evidence in front of us. Uh, certainly the, the biggest thing that stands out is how ill suited the, the, the off season signings have, have been so far. Uh, and, and you can't really get past that because they're not getting a lot of goals from anyone else. And they're paying, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, pretty good money as as is guys, they brought in in free agency, um, you know, and there is a fair bit of unrest I would say in the fan base and around the team, but you know, I have to until I see more I'm not going any more than 3 on the concernometer just because the Leafs have had two slow Octobers the last two years and basically cruised to a playoff spot still but with you know on the backs of good Novembers. And so if if we get deeper into the month and and I don't see some real signs of progress as a team, I mean that's really what's missing Toronto. They they're not playing nearly well enough defensively and as a team they just haven't had a really good game yet. They're still in a fine spot, I would say, um, you know, in the standing. So that's what I mean is that they've been able to overcome their shortcomings. But, you know, if we don't see some progression, I will quickly get to a four or five, but I've just watched enough in recent years to know that this isn't full on all out panic just yet. Although I'll point you to their schedule this week, Julian, it's not every mm-hmm. day or every week that you have four home games as the Leafs do um, with Tampa, Ottawa, Calgary. You'll be here. Can't wait. And Vancouver on Saturday. And, you know, given how well the Canucks have gone, you know, what the lightning are, the fact that Ottawa should be hungry and Calgary, there's a chance that by the end of the week, this looks totally differently. But entering this week, I'm at a three with the Leafs. And I I think that they will get things righted enough where it's not a full on uh, empty the barn fire alarm situation.
1: What about Sheldon Keefe and all of this? I feel like for almost every market that we're going to have some measure of concern for the next question to ask is what about their head coach and their future?
0: I, you know, I suppose it's a fair question. He just signed a contract extension and went through a long summer with Brad Trilliving, his new boss in terms of before he even was assured that he'd be back. So, you know, I think it's a little premature to, to go far too far down that road, but you know, in any market where the expectation is, to, to challenge for the Stanley cup. There's always the possibility that you get far enough off course that you get to a point where that decision has to be made. I, I I don't think we're anywhere near that in Toronto. Um, but you know, that, that being said, let's, let's, let's let the script play out a little more. I mean, I want to see the next five or six games that go to Sweden next week. Like this, this could either be a great time of it all comes together or it could be, wow, the Leafs are playing a lot of Big games in terms of like nationally televised games, Hall of Fame weekend this weekend, then they go to Sweden, big feature marquee NHL matchups. And if if things are going poorly, there's going to be a lot of reporters in there with flashlights asking questions and wanting to interview the witnesses. So, um, you know, I do think these next two weeks are are fairly critical in Toronto just in terms of maybe just calming things a little bit, Um, but I'm not firing anybody just yet.
1: Okay. I know we touched off on Montreal very quickly and, and their start's been going really well. They're getting some good performances from some of their players, like uh, Alex Newhook as an example. But there has still been some concern over Uri Stavkovsky, the number one overall pick uh, from the 2022 NHL entry draft. I know he got put up on the top line the other day with Cole Caulfield and, and Nick Suzuki. Uh, does, does Uri Slavkovsky's play and, and his development to this point, are you concerned about that at all? Does that affect your number for the Montreal Canadiens?
0: No, I mean, I'll go two for Montreal. I don't want to give them the full everything's rosy 100% because, you know, in part because of that storyline. And look, I get why the fans of the team, I understand why there's a lot of conversation around it. I personally think it's a little overblown. Um, You know, I, I just saw Quentin Byfield come through the Eastern Conference yeah. here the last week, and my goodness, all of a sudden, he's looking like quite a player, right? And And, you know, it maybe took him a little bit more time um, you know, perhaps we'll see Slavkovsky at some point go to the American Hockey League. I don't think that's been totally ruled out. But just because he hasn't scored X number of goals by this point in the season or put up X number of points, um, you know, to me is not an all-out hit the panic button. Again, part of that is is because, you know, it's pretty clear that the Canadians are comfortable having this season be another development year. This is part of his development. As much as people don't want to see that, and, and look, we're we live in an age where, a lot of rookies come into the league and make a strong impact, but it doesn't always work that way for all of them. And especially sometimes a, a bigger player as Slavkowski is just in terms of growing into his body, understanding the way he needs to play against men in the best league in the world to, to be effective. You know, he's 19 years old. Is he not? I mean, I, I just think yeah. again, I look like I'm not saying of course, can he, he's a number one overall pick in Montreal. He's either he, was always going to be a lot of eyes on him. There'll be attention on him and all those things. But I, I, I certainly think it's too soon to be going too crazy about it. And, and I'm also not convinced going to the American hockey league is, is the best thing. I mean, if really
1: that's interesting,
0: if his confidence is truly shot, which I've seen no evidence from where I sit, which is not, I'm a long way from the dressing room, right? I'm, I'm not in there with Godin Basu. So trust their opinions on this a little bit more because they, they're, they're talking to the player and his teammates on a regular basis. They have a feeling, but I mean, you know, going to the AHL is, is a far less structured game. Um, you know, in his case, it's still in Laval, right? It's not as though he gets out of the market, right? He doesn't get totally away from people watching every game, commenting on how he's playing, writing stories about him, all those things. Um, you know, as I say, I'm I'm not saying I'm not convinced it's the wrong move, but I, it seems like there, there was a sentiment out there that it's 100% the right play to have. And I, I'm just not fully there myself. I, I think that first of all, he scored Saturday night in St. Louis uh so that maybe will calm things down. I think a, a lot of the reason that this, you know, sprung up is that they played Logan Cooley this week for a game in Arizona and Cooley of course was the third overall pick in 2022, two picks behind uh, Slavkowski and so there's natural that you're going to compare those players. Like I get it. And Cooley's maybe a smaller skilled guy and and he certainly has put up points in Arizona uh to to start the season and full credit to him. But you know we're talking about different players who I think at their best will do will play the game quite differently and and there's not one path to success if we know that in following athletes. So I would, I, I'm not that rattled about this, and, and I do think in general a lot's going right in Montreal because no one's expecting them to, to win, and they've, they've won a little bit more than maybe even they thought they would in the first few weeks.
1: I know this next question I'm about to ask you is super random, but once you figure out what the answer is, you'll understand why it is. Without looking, who leads the Carolina Hurricanes in points right now? Yes, Berry Twelve points. I would not he have known that I Carol- just
0: just because we're off a of Montreal chat.
1: <laughs> and that's it. exactly why I brought that up because you bring up a really good point with regards to Yuri Slavkowski being the age that he is and needing all that time to develop. The Canadians had a player like Yesberi Kakaniami, who was not a number one overall pick, but needed all that time to develop. And now it seems like he's at least to start, he's figuring it out in a completely different market. Right. right. <laughs> You need time for these guys.
0: And we always expect progress to go like this, right? Like up and to the right. And the truth is, and you've probably seen these memes on Instagram, like progress actually looks a lot like this, where you're going up and then all of a sudden it's a sudden sharp down and across, like it, it, it doesn't happen always on a set pattern. And, you know, I think it's hard when you're a first overall pick. I mean, every four that's been a first overall pick has basically made the league right away. A lot of them have been, you know, pretty gifted offensive players. You know, remember Jack Hughes. you know, he didn't have the best of rookie seasons though. And now, you know, when we've talked about him, we're, we're talking about him, maybe, you know, contending for a heart trophy this year and certainly had a fantastic start to this season in New Jersey before getting injured. I mean, I, I just think that it's, it is worth remembering every once in a while, taking a breath, looking around the league, you know, thinking outside of the market that you're maybe focused on that team or, or that you might live in. And, and remember that, you know, a lot of players that, that do amazing things in a league take some time. I mean, that's, that's, that's probably the easiest way for me to say it. And and I just think it's too soon to know with Slavkovsky. Um, you know, I think that the, it is a debate, I guess, about the best way to get more out of him. But I, I'm not so sure that is that this is hurting him, I, I suppose. I mean, this is challenging him for sure. I bet that there have been some tough nights already this year for him. He's, he expects a lot of himself. He knows what... He doesn't need us to tell him what his his colleagues are doing or his contemporaries, right? I mean, usually... Unfortunately, that's the way it goes in life. People compare themselves to those that maybe they grew up around or, or know. I mean, he's probably putting more pressure on himself than we are on him, but I just think everyone should take a take a breath. It's Montreal, this should be this should be an easy time. There's there's no chaos there compared to some of the other places.
1: That's very true. You know what team who you know it's funny? Like we we think about the teams in the east, we think about the teams of the west and what they're going through. It feels like Winnipeg is just kind of quietly just moving along. What about them? They're third in their division right now.
0: Yeah, I would have them at a two. I mean, they, they've had their own challenges to start this year. Obviously, the, most notably Rick Bonus, their head coach, having to, to take a leave from the team with with his wife falling ill. And, and you know, so that would be a change. You know, I know Scott O'Neill has been part of the staff, and and the idea is that he would be there to replace Rick Bonus, likely long term. But, I mean, no one plans on having a new head coach all of a sudden midseason or, or early in the season the way they did. But I think, you know, the – the jets have have had a reasonable start and i you know i predicted this team to make the playoffs it's way too soon to say if i'm right or wrong but they're kind of where i thought they would be I, I certainly don't think it's going to be comfortable to get there i think they're going to be in a true playoff race for a lot of the year um but you know you're seeing some good things pretty good start to the year for mark Scheifele on the the back of his new extension i think they're they're still finding their way with the the forward lines a little bit and how they they're going to work out their balance up there but know, the Jets have, you know, they're making some headlines too, I suppose, for the the attendance troubles they've had at home. But, you know, they look to me like they're in a really good spot to to get back to the playoffs. And, you know, as I said, we we need to see about like 70 more games before we know for sure, because I I don't think it's going to be a clinch in March kind of situation for them.
1: What about Calgary? Let's uh, continue to go through the West.
0: I'll put a four on the Flames. You know, I, I had pretty big hopes for them to bounce back. And, you know, what I, what concerns me is that some of the top players that took a step back last year have not rebounded yet this season. You know, you wondered how a new head coach uh, might be able to impact things. I'm not at all laying this at Ryan Husker's door, but you know, you you haven't got the bounce back in the areas that you might've been planning on it. And you know, they're at this this weird stage where they, they've extended Michael Backlund. They were well down the road to doing it with Noah Hannafin. There's obviously a decision to be made on Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, and some other players that are in UFA status. And But you're caught between this. Like, should we really be extending this core? And so I, I'm probably a little more panicked there than some of the other situations because I, I did expect him to have a, a stronger start. And now they're, they just feels like they're kind of caught, right? They, they don't know which way it's going. And obviously there's still tons of schedule left. They're, they're actually one win ahead of the Edmonton Oilers. who I'm sure we're going to get to next. And so it's not oh, yes. as though the season is not lost, but they've dug a pretty big hole here. And I think because of some of the huge organizational decisions still pending to me, there's a degree of like, oh shit here. Um, Because if you if you're not extending those players are you trading them are you trading them for draft picks like like it, there there's just a lot riding on this season beyond the results and the standings and i'm not sure the path for management is as clear as they would have liked after the first 10 11 games of the season
1: i i wonder how much more clarity they will get uh after this week, they have a game against the Nashville Predators on Tuesday, and they have a three-game road trip that will see them through Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa—not in that order—but they will see those three teams on the road after Nashville. I wonder if, like, if you are Craig Conroy and you have all these hopes for this team, and they go off on this six-game losing streak, but imagine they win four in a row. Like, what do you do? I, I, I would be so confused. It almost feels like, like you if you're a flames fan, you're probably hoping that they lose out these next four games. So you make it even more clear to management that you need to retool. But if they, they win those games and all those guys in that room, whenever we keep asking them, they say they have what it takes to make the playoffs. All those guys are good players. They believe in themselves. Is that is, is winning the next few games enough to convince this core, or at least to convince Craig that they should at least give this core one more chance. I I, I don't know. I have, a, I have questions about that.
0: Well, I mean, this is what's crazy about the industry. I mean, like what you're right, winning or losing the next three games. Like, what does it really tell us in the big picture of things? But, you know, I can say that there was a world when Noah Hannafin and the Flames were having their contract talks, where if they maybe won three games in a row versus losing the first three of this, 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 what is now a six game losing streak, like maybe they're signed that deal. Like the atmosphere, they were close enough on doing a new contract where yes, if you know, if if things felt right, it might've just come together there within those couple of days. And then now everything's on hold, you know, no negotiations going on with any of the players. It's, it's tough. I think that's why ideally, I suppose you want to deal with this in the off season. I know that's maybe pie in the sky, perfect world, hindsight kind of talk, but it, this, it does get challenging in the year because not every team, like very few teams are ever San Jose, right? Like it's so apparent what the sharks are, what they have been all like, no, there's no surprises there, but, a lot of teams win a couple, lose a couple. It's hard to make those decisions on the fly. And, and, you know, arguably, too, if they decide to go into more of a rebuilding type direction, maybe doing it during the season isn't ideal either. So I'm, I'm, I'm sounding a pretty high panic alarm in Calgary just because I, I, there's so much more than just, hey, did they make the playoffs or not, to, you know, lingering on, on the results and how the team moves forward.
1: I got to say, though, uh, as loud, But as the alarm is in, in Calgary, I may hear a faint alarm in the distance three hours north from me in Edmonton. What do you have for those guys?
0: Uh, I've really wrestled with this one. I'm, I'm going four in Edmonton. Um, I, I can't go full five, and I'll tell you why. They have the lowest save percentage, team save percentage in the NHL as of this recording. And in fact, if you look at some of the underlying numbers, I I do think at five on five that the Oilers have probably done more good things than you would think for a team that's won two out of its first 10 games. And so given who they are and what they've done and the fact that if you go by maybe a lot more process oriented view, I I think that it's not that hard to envision a turnaround for this team. Remember too, Edmonton had a ridiculous finish to last season, like from January 1st into the playoffs, I think inarguably arguably the, the best, pretty much of any team. I know Vegas had a wild run too and obviously went and stormed their way to a cup and now they're storming their way out of the gates. So maybe something clicked for the Golden Knights on or about January 1st as well. But you know we've seen this out of Edmonton in the past and I'm going to assume that one or both of Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell are able to to get more out of their games and, and that will stabilize itself a little bit for the Oilers. But there's still no way around the fact that there's serious questions being asked there. They're going into Vancouver on Monday night. Probably by the time you've you're listening to this pod, you'll know what happened there. But that's you know a place that they got smoked on the opening night of the season, where the Canucks have everything going for them. Uh, my goodness, like it, it it the season can slip through your fingers pretty quickly. So you know this is a, a crucial stretch for the Oilers. You know they were a candidate for a full five, hit the maximum alarm, but I couldn't go all the way there because I am seeing enough. Good things in the performance that aren't showing up in wins and losses yet to to believe that they're not they're not nearly this bad, essentially. I mean, I think that this has been a pretty brutal start to the year, evidently, clearly Uh, thought that maybe the win in the Heritage Classic would get things righted. Um, But I'm I'm willing to give them a little bit more time before I'm going, you know, DEFCON 5.
1: You're willing to give them that time. I, I, I presume the organization is also willing to do the same or change is imminent in some way.
0: Well, I think you, you know, discussions start to happen, about what we might do, but I, I don't think that they're anywhere near action. And you know, there are like a lot of teams. If we had done this exercise for pretty much all these teams, I would tell you, not a lot of cap space, so there's not a lot they can do that way. I mean, at you know, one point, remember they signed Sam Gagne here, they they send Adam Ernie down to the minors. Like you're you're making moves on your fourth line essentially because that's that's sort of what the cap allows you to do with your depth players. And and good on Gagne, had two goals in his first game back in the NHL, um, but you know I, I don't know that that we're at the stage of the season where I can see too much else happening. You might be trying to fire that coach too. It seems to be a theme so far for you, Julian, but you know well to, I'm not
1: trying to fire anybody man I am just asking I
0: mean well and we all know it's that's the one thing the cap doesn't affect right it's it's something it's a change that can be made um but you know I think that they're they're not they're not hitting that button just yet themselves, and so you know I think that there's a huge amount of focus and and you know attention on on getting this this turnaround but um you know we'll, we'll have to see i mean this this Canucks game i'm i'm just fascinated to see how it goes i i could see that the conversation already shifting in the next couple of days if uh if that's a tough night for edmonton
1: you think with that game imagine uh who they pl- well imagine the edmonton san jose game that's to come later this week could you imagine if edmonton loses that game
0: well i mean that might be that might be a nice night for them right i mean pittsburgh kind of had a middling start to the year and they went and put 10 up at the shark tank. So, I mean, what, what a, what a homecoming for Eric Carlson there that the shark tank used to be probably the most intimidating building to play in as, as a road team. And now everyone just it's point night when you show up there these days.
1: Yeah. Let's get to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, only two teams as of this recording have more wins than the Vancouver Canucks, the Vegas golden Knights and the Boston Bruins. I presume we're giving the Vancouver Canucks a one here.
0: Oh yeah. We can give them like a one with like a plus plus plus. Like this is this is a dream start for an organization that's been through a pretty turbulent couple of years for a whole host of reasons the last number of seasons. You know, I, I actually know someone who's at the game Saturday and texted, and he's like, they're legit. And that that you know, that was the feeling inside the building that this isn't maybe just some sort of PDO bender or or you know something where you know, like any team can go on a good 10 game stretch, for example, and they maybe just did it at the right time of year. You know, it's, it seems as though the Canucks have taken a step forward. I mean, I think having Quinn Hughes have the start, he's had Pedersen's been on it right out of the gate. And, you know, obviously Rick Tockett has found the right formula for his team. And there was so much emphasis on a great start to the season in Vancouver. If you remember, that was a talk all the way back to September in terms of getting their players back to the city early, well before training camp and, and, they actually executed on that, that goal and that vision. Now there's, there's still a long way to go. Um, But, you know, I, I don't, I don't see any cause for concern early going here for the Canucks. And obviously I think they, they've just outperformed everyone's um, you know, thoughts, maybe inside the market, there was some hope, but I, I didn't see a lot of people externally saying, Oh, watch out for the Canucks. And they've, they've really had the kind of start that I think people are like, Oh, maybe this is this year's New Jersey, right? That was the devils last year. They yep. had, a great start, and they never. I mean, they had some cool periods, but they never cooled off to the point that they were in danger of missing the playoffs. And then they went and won a playoff round too. So maybe that this is the the trajectory. The that the Hughes magic worked in Vancouver last year. Maybe there's a little bit of that Hughes magic in in Vancouver now.
1: It sure seems like that. Uh, and that's gonna do it for that segment. Uh, we have sports interaction to go, a few other news and notes to get to, and then we'll get to your questions for Ask CJ. I'm part of the games,
0: Go
1: on, 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 on. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com SDPN for all of your gaming needs. CJ, will the San Jose Sharks break the record for most winless games to start a season? The current record is at 15 games. The New York Rangers of 1943-1944 have that record. And on the Sports Interaction website, if you think that'll happen, uh, odds are 8.25 to 1. Uh, CJ, what say you? So it's a
0: straight yes or no kind of proposition. Is that what we're on here?
1: Yeah, you could say yes, essentially. And it's at 8 two, five to 5 one or you could just not bet. Wow, we'll well, th-
0: this is the hard one for me, because what about the start makes you think they're due for a victory, right? I mean, look at the goals, four goals against in San Jose. I mean, they haven't just lost 11 in a row. They have thoroughly had their, their butts handed to them in these games. And it's trending in the wrong direction, even over the weekend with a couple... Games against Vancouver and Pittsburgh, where they they gave up ten goals in each of those games on home ice, um, so it's hard to imagine what would compel me to think they're going to to mix in a victory here, especially looking at their their current schedule. And so, I mean, when you couple in the odds with the way things are trending, you know, I I actually think they could do this. Um, you know, is that is that nuts? I don't know. I mean, to to predict a team to lose sixteen in a row to start a year, though, Julian, like that's that's almost a quarter of the season.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's not looking too good for them right now. We know Sam. we know uh, Vancouver. Sorry, not Vancouver. We know Edmonton's in their uh, schedule later on this week. That could be a good time for the Oilers to get back in it, but I don't know, man. I, I might actually take this. I actually think they might do it. This could be the worst team since the Capitals of the, 70s, of the 70s when they had that god-awful year where I think they only had eight wins. My personal name,
0: barometer so. for worst team because I wasn't around for that Capitals team is, is the Thrashers. The, mm. the Thrashers had a pretty putrid season in there. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're in that, I know the Sabres had a couple tough years, but uh, it's, yeah, it's not looking good in San Jose whether they win one no. of the next five or not
1: sportsinteraction.com/sdpn for all the best odds before game in game and the best props sportsinteraction.com/sdpn This episode of the Chris Johnston show is brought to you by SeatGeek with over 28 million downloads SeatGeek is the number 1 rated ticketing app There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek including concerts sports festivals and more With the NFL and NHL seasons in full swing, the NBA is also up as well. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, you got artists like Travis Scott and Zach Bryan on tour. You got to check out SeatGeek. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10. All you have to do is look out for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad, and every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your ticket ahead of the event with swaps. By the way, if you're trying to get a discount, use the code JOHNSTON for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code JOHNSTON. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Factor. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef prepared dietitian dietician-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. If you're too busy with holiday plans to cook, but you want to make sure you're eating well, Factor will help you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up, too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat up and enjoy. That seems pretty convenient to me. And when you're too busy running around to plan lunch, Factor has you covered with lunch to go. Effortless wholesome meals like grain bowls, salad toppers. They're ready to eat when you're on the go and you don't need a microwave. No microwave required. That's pretty great. This November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. All you have to do if you want a discount. Head to factormeals.com slash Johnston50 and use code Johnston50 to get 50% off. That is a deal, ladies and gentlemen. That's code Johnston50 at factormeals.com slash Johnston50 to get 50% off. Earlier on Monday, we saw that uh, the Canes put out a statement saying that Frederick Anderson is dealing with a medical issue and undergoing evaluations. And Yaroslav alack. Is actually with the team now as a free agent tryout. What's going on with Frederick Anderson and the, and the Carolina Hurricanes?
0: That would be noted. Alan Walsh client Yaroslav Halak. Uh,
1: oh, don't 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 think I forgot about that. Yes, he is noted Alan Walsh client. I didn't know uh, if you'd overlooked
0: that fact. No, I mean unfortunately for Frederick Anderson, the, the the Hurricanes found a blood clotting issue with him during some medical testing, and you know essentially it sounds like there isn't a firm timeline here, and and you know there've been a few players over the years, you know, might at the risk of comparing apples to oranges. Cause I'm, I'm certainly not a medical expert in this, this area. And really what the hurricanes are saying is that it's, there's no time period, indefinite time period for Frederick Anderson's absence. I mean, we saw Steven Stamkos miss a couple months. Um, you know, there's, there's been some others. And so, you know, absent uh, some speculation here, I think it's fair to, to think that, you know, it might take some time for Frederick Anderson to get back to, a, to a position where he's healthy enough to play. And so, you know, we'll see uh, how, how the tryout goes, so to speak, with Halak. And, and if, you know, he's a goaltender they, they bring in in the meantime. Or, you know, they've also got uh, Kochetkov, too, uh, who's been down in the American Hockey League in Syracuse. But, but you know, they, they do have other options um, in that position. So, you know, I wish Freddie well. Uh, not not a, a great situation and obviously something that's concerning. But the good news is the Hurricanes did say that they expect them to make a full and healthy recovery
1: anti is still in the fold for carolina as well isn't he a lot of
0: a lot of goalies there <laughs> a lot of goalies i mean they, they, they've been sort of a three-headed situation um you know and keep in mind kochekov signed a, an actual extension where he's making decent nhl money you know he's still exempt from waivers so they've been using that to their advantage by um you know shifting him to to the ahl and and you know be able to bring him up and down to start nhl games but um you know, I, we'll see how it works out with Halak. Maybe they they keep Kochetkov in the AHL if if they're comfortable going with Ronta Halak as a tandem, or you know, depending on what they see there. I, I suppose there's there's other options too.
1: Okay, and one final news and note before we get to ask CJ. Uh, news coming out over the weekend that a second player, uh, known as a Black Ace, they've they're known as a John Doe in the lawsuit. They filed that suit against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, for failing to act during the 2010 playoffs when informed of sexual assault allegations from former video coach Brad Aldrich, uh, in the lawsuit it is alleged uh, that uh, Aldrich groomed, harassed, threatened, and assaulted the player who was identified previously in the Jenner and Block report as Black Ace One. You remember the report that came out initially uh, when these uh, allegations first surfaced. We know Kyle Beach uh, was 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 involved was. Unfortunately, a victim in all of this, and now a second person has come forward. CJ, obviously, this is just a really terrible story. Uh, we've talked about uh, Kyle Beach on this podcast, and now to see a second player come out, it's just, you have to give your head a shake with this with this story and the fact that uh, we're still at this point. where We're not going to forget this. this, and we shouldn't forget this, and we should continue to talk about this. It's just, just every time I think about the story, and now that we have this added wrinkle to this as well— uh it I feel sick thinking about this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one. I mean, because this person was part of the Jenner and Block report, you know, the, the allegations themselves have kind of been out there. I mean, a lot of I read through the 27 page complaint that that his his lawyers put out on Monday and and a lot of them are citing what what was said during that that report. Um, you know, it's it's really that this person's come forward and and is talking about some of the the trauma that that he's experienced um over the years since this some of the pain and suffering and and um loss of self esteem you know it names a number of, of things in there and and you know we'll just have to see where it goes i mean this it could potentially i suppose be settled the way the Kyle Beach matter was uh, with Chicago or maybe it will reach its way to court but you know it's i think for for the so much has changed since then in the sense that you know, obviously the management and, and coach Joel Quenville uh, were both, you know, Al McIsaac was taken out of his position, Stan Bowman with, with Chicago back at when the, the beach matter came to a head a couple of years ago. And, and Joel Quenville hasn't coached in the league since then. So I don't know that, that there's anything more than what's already been done behind the scenes to happen. But, you know, what we'll, we'll have to see if this individual is, ends up being compensated essentially for, um, you know, the, the, the things that are alleged to have happened here.
1: Does this lawsuit affect any potential timeline for Joel Quenville or uh, Stan Bowman to return to the NHL? We know they're actively trying to do so. Does that push them back a little bit more on that front? How do you see it?
0: I think it's murkier for sure. I mean, I, I don't know what the timeline was. You know, Gary Bettman has has never committed to a timeline. You know, when he's been asked about this publicly, he's, he's sort of said something to the effect that, that neither are, eligible to work now in the league. We, we know that both Quenville and Bowman were in a meeting in Chicago that had all the league's GMs and, and head coaches in it, in which they shared their experiences, what they've learned, um, you know, and that was thought to be part of a process to eventually return to the game. Um, but, you know, I don't know what the timeline was, so it's hard to handicap if it's going to get any worse as a result of this, but I, I can't imagine it, you know, putting the league of a mind uh, where they feel they, they need to, you know, act in an expedited way, and so, you know, I, I think that I'll just say it muddies the waters, but uh, you know, it's it's hard to get a read on when exactly either of these these gentlemen were, were going to be in a position to return anyway, and so this certainly brings some of the the negative things that happened back in 2010 back into the public consciousness.
1: Okay, and we'll continue to follow that story as it uh, goes on. Bit of a uh, switch here, but it's time for ask CJ. We'll we taking your questions? whether through Twitter, whether through Discord as well. It's a good way for us to end off the Monday show. We get to pick CJ's brain about whether it's hockey stuff, food stuff, anything, anything. A lot of, a lot of hockey questions this week, but uh, right. if there's a fun one, I'll try to add in. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely put that in for you. I feel like you kind of answered this first one, but I'll still ask it anyway from Red Shark Pack. Finish this sentence. This year's Sharks are the worst team since blank.
0: Since the Thrashers existed.
1: Saw a Thrasher slander today. I don't want the Atlanta Thrashers Twitter account to get at us for that.
0: It was, it was a tough go there. A, a lot of good things came through Atlanta. Some good players and actually some people I like that work for that organization that I got to know well. But that organization, there was a weird building they played in. I don't know if you're ever in that building, Phillips Arena at the time. Never been there. One side was all boxes. So, like, you didn't really have fans fully in the arena. You know, obviously, as an organization, they lost a lot more than they won. And they ultimately had an ownership group that abandoned ship. So, it was, it was a tough run down there. And they, they certainly had a, a tough first season, too.
1: For traveling media going to Atlanta, would they go to Magic City?
0: I actually, I've been to Atlanta and I don't know what Magic City is. So, I, I can answer that I was never going to Magic City.
1: Okay. Well, you know what? For those who know what Magic City is, keep it to yourself. If you don't know what it is, Google exists. I just, I was just curious.
0: Okay. Anyway, no, I could kind of guess what you're getting at now, but I didn't, I didn't know. I don't know. Honestly, the the arena was downtown. I think that was part of the problem. Like it wasn't the best area of town. And I know when there's, there's talk now of maybe a third NHL go around in, in Atlanta, it's, there's talk of a distant suburb that might build an arena. So, Um, I don't know if that arena is going to be near Magic City or not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Next question uh, from Philip Sabotka. How much of an issue is it that the core four, they're talking about Toronto, will never engage in a fight? Crosby, Taze, McKinnon, Marshall, all willing to, at some point, say enough is enough and put themselves in harm's way for their teams. They, They seem to think that the core four does not do that compared to the other four names that they mentioned.
0: Yeah, for me it's not necessarily about a fight itself. I mean, I know Sidney Crosby did get in an actual fight in preseason this year and he's been in maybe a handful over a long career. I think it's a willingness to you know, compete at a certain level that that maybe you're you're looking for a little bit more of and and you know, to be fair to those guys, I think the Leafs have done it at times. It's just there's been a few notable um situations where it didn't happen. I mean, one of them came up with Brad Marchand this week and, and Timothy Liljegren last week that that's, that's put the spotlight on this issue. You know, I think people think back to that playoff series with Tampa last year where Riley had a, a, a play where, where, Braden point ended up crashing in the end boards and, and like you had Stamkos and Kutrov like leading, leading the charge into what was a physical engagement with the Leafs players. You know, I don't know if, the Toronto players will ever get to that point. But I think that the, certainly as a team, they're looking to be tougher as a team and those players lead the team in pretty much every aspect. And so I think, I don't know that it necessarily has to be dropping the gloves. Cause you know what our debate's going to be like, if Austin Matthews drops the gloves at some point and breaks his hand and he's out for, you know, an extended period of time or every time, about what is Austin Matthews doing fighting? So I, I don't know that it's necessarily a fight. I think it's more getting in someone's face, standing up for a teammate, you know, finishing your checks, which I think, if, especially if you watch, you know, some of the playoff hockey that those guys have played, like Matthews in particular, I feel like engaged pretty physically in, in legal ways uh, in the game, in some of those big games. Like, like it's not like they do none of it, and I don't necessarily need to see them add to their fight card, but I think as an organization, the Leafs are looking to up that level, I, not that I think, I know they are, and if, if it was one of those players that, that kind of drew them in, a little bit from time to time, I think that'd be appreciated by management.
1: Okay. From Congo red. What is your first drink in the morning? Black coffee. Just no cream or sugar. No, never. How are people able to do that? I never understood that. I am. Uh, I'm
0: thinking like, how can you ruin your coffee with milk or cream or sugar?
1: Hey, different strokes for different yeah. folks. I it's guess. funny. I My know, mom used to just... drink
0: her coffee black and I wasn't always a coffee drinker. But once I kind of maybe started at some point in my early 20s, I just took it black because that's almost what I'd seen. And uh, I really like it that way. So I I will rarely ever put anything in a coffee. So it's it's a black coffee or a water first thing in the morning.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'm more water than anything else. I, I'm not a big coffee aficionado, so I don't really have any stake in this race. Uh, Producer Drew seems to be in agreement with you. Black coffee is is what he prefers it's because producer drew's got
0: some good takes all of a sudden i've come to appreciate his takes since he's been producing our show for the last couple weeks and i start to see some of the the things he said
1: i'm just gonna get to the next question before you get yourself in trouble man that's me you don't need to do that you don't need to do that this is this is a bit nuts from mike m what's your favorite all-time what's your all-time favorite goal song and why is it the brass bonanza
0: I mean, the Brass band was Whalers pretty song. good in its day. And I remember it from, like, the video games. Was it the Sega game, I think, had it when I was a kid? Dun, 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 You're dun, asking dun, me. Dun, I never played on a Sega Genesis. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I have to say the, the Chelsea Dagger was pretty good when Chicago brought that in. Like, for the era to go with that song and, it, you know, the team was good. I, I found that one to be good. I like the Bruins goal song, like the, "Mm," like, they just sort of, there's, I, I love, I gotta say the game ops at a Bruins game for me is like, I love it. It's it, it, you know, when you're there as a visitor, put it that way. There's just like, they, they really create a certain atmosphere feels like a little bit edgy in a good way. I think if you were a fan of that team, like it's, it's a big party. Like I, I, I like what the Bruins got going on. I'm sure I'm missing some other good ones, but those are the ones I remember. I kind of like the, the the train in LA too. The the high high pitch, like ding, I can't, I don't can't really. Oh, that's m- cool. Mimic that, but I think ones that like think about it. So many goal songs, you know, especially when you're traveling around, like you don't even think about them. Uh, but the ones that are memorable are the ones I just mentioned. I also don't mind the Dallas Stars one too. The, the Pantera. yeah, I, I don't the mind Pantera that. Dallas Stars stars Dallas Dallas stars stars. I don't mind that either. So. There's, there's lots of good ones to choose from.
1: Uh, I will give uh, hat tips to Seattle. Uh, if they have a really good one. And Detroit has a new one. They made it M um, M M&M without me. I, I, I like theirs. Ah. Those are two teams. I will, I will big up.
0: Believe it or not. Seattle is now the only building I've never been into to see a game. So
1: man, I haven't, I got to uh, get to a game, man. I'm
0: heading there in next month for some meetings, but uh, I'll get to a game probably when I'm there. Hopefully.
1: So you've been to mullet arena.
0: Okay. I haven't been there, but I've been to Arizona for games. I have not been yes. into mullet arena either. I'm not okay. really counting that. Like that feels, I went to Glendale a whole bunch. I've seen the coyotes played live a bunch. I would go to okay. mullet. I'm just not making a special trip there. That's all I'm saying.
1: Uh, one final one for you from uh, grim Reaper, likely a foolish question, but with many rookies hitting 10 games played and activating the first year of their contract, I was wondering how their pay works up until then. Are they playing the first nine games for free? Are they being paid their contract wages as normal? Curious how that works.
0: No, every NHL player essentially gets paid for each day on the NHL roster. So this year it's 192 and this is the regular season. So it's a 192 day regular season. So if, if you want to have fun, or I don't know if you find this fun, go divide any player's salary by 192, and you can figure out what he gets paid for that day. That's obviously before taxes and agents fees and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the same would be true for, you know, a rookie player. I mean, the, the, the players that have been around so far are probably rough math. I can't remember what the first day of the season was, was it October 10th? I mean, they're at about 27 days pay right now. So, you know, that's a couple hundred grand for them. Um, And that's, that's basically how it works. And then, you know, the same as if you're, if you go between the NHL and the AHL, and obviously when it comes to those players that are in the 10 game window, you know, like Fraser Minton, who was in Toronto, who got sent back to Kamloops, you know, he stops being paid the day the Leafs sent him off the roster. So uh, not only did Fraser Minton get to play a few NHL games and travel around first class with the Leafs, he also would have made uh, you a decent coin, especially for someone his age before getting back to the WHL there a few weeks ago.
1: That's pretty good pretty good uh great questions from everybody on discord who makes the and most on in the league right now do you know just of of anybody like what's the? Is it
0: i'm not talking about cap it because like salary is different right no uh
1: um, like actual like money is it but let's just say for fun
0: of... if someone's making 12 million in straight salary with no bonuses that means that they're earning sixty two thousand five hundred a day
1: this season who now, I need to know who was making the most money. Cap Friendly should definitely have this where they have the list of, of yes. players. Yes, we didn't plan for this, out, like...
0: <laughs> unfortunately. But I didn't know do that you, co- any, question uh, was coming.
1: Uh, do you want to guess who it is? I think I have it. In oh, do terms you? of salary, well, tell I, me. Do have, I think I have What's it. the highest salary? Uh, $16.5 million. For who? Nathan McKinnon.
0: And is it straight salary, meaning no bonuses? Can you see there?
1: Uh, let's see if we can see if it's no, salary, uh, no bonuses. I believe it is. I think it's total salary accounting for okay. – actually, he has a 15.725 signing bonus, and his base salary is at right. seven. And that's what
0: happens with a lot of the best-paid players. So, I mean, look at He got $15 million on one day, so we're not going to feel bad yes. for him. But, but the math doesn't work out the same way. Here, let me look at Eric Carlson, for example. I know. So he, okay, yeah, he's making to ten Carlson. and a half million in actual salary this year. Um, yes, obviously he's got the Sharks paying some of that salary and the Penguins, but Eric Carlson is pulling in fifty four thousand six hundred eighty seven dollars and fifty cents for every day he is on the Penguins roster this season.
1: What about Sasha Barkov? He's making. Uh, I mean, actually, no, he wouldn't count either. He makes eleven million in signing. Uh, he got that eleven million dollars yeah. signing bonus. I mean, the signing bonus is the way to My go bad. if
0: you can get it all up front. It just gives you flexibility, right? Whether with your yeah. investments and the, and the like. But anyway, can you imagine making $55,000 a day before
1: taxes and other Man. associated fees? $55,000 in one day. Imagine just getting a $15 million signing bonus. I would love that.
0: Right. And then, of course, we could extend this exercise to the NBA or Major League Baseball where some players are making $50 million a year and, and you do the math there. And anyway.
1: Well, CJ, you're worth $100 million do you know what? in
0: my books. I'm just thankful for what I got. I hope you feel the same way.
1: I feel that too. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with a brand new show. I will be in town. So maybe we can do this in person. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. When do you fly in dun, Wednesday? Dun, dun, dun. I fly in on Wednesday night. Okay. And I'm in through uh Saturday. So uh, I'll, alert, I'll alert
0: the authorities.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for what? You didn't have to do anything I for me? Know. Enough people. Enough people in Toronto are unnoticed that I'm coming. I it's don't all just good. mean
0: that. I just mean I. You
1: know, oh no 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 no! no You don't have to worry about me. I'm on my best the behavior. A.m. That's a, a rosy stuff. Me.
0: Still sits, sits fresh. No.
1: In my mind, so. Oh no 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 no! We're gonna. Oh, there will we're be. let everyone that. in
0: King West in Toronto know Julian's coming.
1: There will be none of that yeah, right. in, in Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal, especially in Montreal. Okay. Montreal, uh, you're seeing family, behavior. but. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry about that. Oh, I'll get my fun in. That's good. And don't, act like you, and don't act like you're so innocent either, sir.
0: I'm not. I know what you're capable of. That's all I'm saying. That's it.
1: I know what you're capable of, too. I feel people should be alerted authorities for you. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. You're looking at me. You are. You know what? You can call the. We don't can, even need to go. Call there. the
0: folks in Stockholm. I'm heading there next week. So,
1: one of my one of my favorite memories of CJ is going to Sneaky D's with you with a whole bunch of other reporters, and everyone is tired. You're the only one who's lit. Not like lit, like well, no, but like you're. Well, you, you remember energy.
0: that night you guys had all been out, and I covered a game, and then walked yes. and met you. So I didn't even like meet you guys till midnight. So I had I had a little more fire in my belly. I think some people were on the way down and I was on the way up still. You
1: know what I mean? You were on the way up. Yeah. You were the only person up. Everybody else was just like, man, like I'm tired. Like you were up. There was a lot of cool people in that room, too. Anyway, that's for a future episode of when we delve into fun stories on the road. Uh, Siege, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. For CJM Julian. So long. Peace. The Chris Johnson show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local.
0: Inside the game twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie.
1: The Chris Johnston
0: Show.